Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Route. It's a red shirt Friday edition of Rural Route because we want to make sure everybody who serves our country knows we appreciate it. And it says Americans in Agriculture, we support the troops. On this red shirt Friday, we have a veteran. Go figure. A veteran of the United States Air Force, John Glenn Weaver, coming to us from the great livestock state of Nebraska. How's John? I'm doing well, Trent. Uh, good. I'm also running for U.S. Senate at WeaverForSenate.com, retired lieutenant colonel. So thanks for having me on. If if at any time you decide to run for public office, make sure we know about it. Okay, John? <laughs> uh, you are running against Deb Fisher? No. You know, I have not yet decided. Um, there's two seats open, right? And so one's an open seat, and then there's obviously an incumbent. So I'm going to decide this weekend and then put out a press release next week before I head out to uh, Scotts Bluffs County to talk to folks out there. But mm. but uh, I'm I'm still I've kind of got my mind made up. I'm still deciding. But but yes. OK. Uh, we'll talk strategy about that off the air. Yeah, but I, th- I, I think I, I misunderstood your your letter. You said you wanted to meet me and come back on roll route. And I said, okay, I'll be right over there to Ellsworth air force base and we can do it together. But I'm here right outside of rapid city. You didn't show up. I, I, did I get a miscommunication? You probably did Trent. Uh, <laughs> I'd love to be in rapid city with you at Deadwood having a beer with you, but uh, you know, I'm bottle feeding my son right now. So uh, yeah. <laughs> You're not bottle feeding a calf. You're bottle feeding your son. You're being, exactly. You're being Mr. Mom today. Why? You're multitasking. John, you can't do that. Women have got this whole stereotype of us men. We can't multitask. Okay. So, so <laughs> I don't want to make all the men look bad in this situation, but you uh, are. You are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I said this on Across the Pond this morning, and for the radio audience, they can't see it, but I'm sitting in, in the Ramcota Hotel in Rapid City. I'm here with the Dakota Territory Bison Association, and I found this lovely picture of a guy horseback in front of a couple of head, a couple hundred head of Tatonka. And I say Tatonka because thanks to Dances with Wolves, the only word in the Lakota Sioux language that everybody knows, Tatonka. So I'm here with the Tatonka breeders. John, you hit mute for some. So John, you hit you hit mute there. there I you. can't say I know a whole lot about uh, that. I majored in animal science and raised up growing beef cows, but uh, that's awesome. Well, you grew up raising those Angus cattle, which are very dependent upon man taking care of them or they die. Tatonka go out and they live on their own, so you wouldn't know much about them. <laughs> I had to put a little slam in there for every Angus breeder in the country. Just, just, you know, to get everybody blood, the blood rolling today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Are you dealing with some technical issues with it there? I, I got, I got in and out of my car and the Bluetooth took over. So just to <laughs> let you know, not that I'm good at bottle feeding a baby, but not the Bluetooth on my car. Sorry. Wait a minute. That. Wait a minute. You just fixed every problem you created. See, see, men cannot <laughs> multitask. I know, and I've got my daughter bottle feeding the, the baby now. So I, I, I did it for five minutes, and then I failed. So there you go. <laughs> women women control this world, and we all the men know it, and the husbands remind their wives of that every day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so 
the news that I wanted suddenly that I wanted to talk about, which you were, I had hoped you would be with me last week, and then I bumped you till this week because I had a Vietnam veteran. It was absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. Larry Blue was amazing, and mm-hmm. it, it was the day, January twenty seventh, seventeen, excuse me, nineteen seventy three. Transpose a couple of numbers there, nineteen seventy three, June twenty or January twenty seventh was the day that the Vietnam War officially ended. Uh, you have thoughts on Vietnam, John? Man, so I was just up uh, to South Sioux City and visited with a gentleman up there, John. I can't remember his last name. Runs a large VFW up there in, in the Vietnam Memorial that they have in Veterans. I think it's called Veterans Park in South Sioux City. What they've done there, a reenactment of the, the Vietnam Memorial is just, just awesome. And, and coincidentally, the war started in the late 50s, and the first person to die in Vietnam officially was from Pender, Nebraska. And the war lasted, you know, over over almost 15 years. So long, prolong, long drawn out wars are not in America's best interests. Um, I certainly honor the sacrifices that every man and woman did over there and they died for their country, but we need national leaders that don't get us into long, long wars that have no ending. I think we need to go into them with a strategic objective, achieve that objective. And then, um, be done with it. But long protracted wars are not in America's best interest. So I actually had a conversation with JC Cole Wednesday on this program and JC John is a guy who's lived in Lafayette for 18 years during Soviet Union's collapse. But I want your perspective on this because this week I've, I've taken kind of a, an in-depth look at foreign aid and Vietnam is kind of where it really brought me in, sucked me in to say, hey, what's going on with this? I, my research tells me that every country for the past 100 years that we've started fueling money into for foreign aid to help the less fortunate, we end up in a war. And we end up in losing American lives. And I'm sitting here saying every one of these men and women like John Glenn Weaver, who signed up to be a part of the United States Air Force and every branch of the military, do it for the love of country. And if our foreign aid is somehow contributing to us getting in a war, losing thousands of men and women who are loyal to this country like no other, what are we really doing? Yeah, how, we do get, you, yeah. how do you factor that whole foreign aid into what, what's it's, going on leads to war? Especially with the, uh, the Mujahideen in Afghanistan. I mean, we were we were funding that organization to beat the Russians that used the same weapons against us in Afghanistan. So we've got to be, I'm not opposed to helping other nations like South Korea is a huge ally. Taiwan's a huge ally, but we've got to be careful about funding these countries uh, and what they're using the money for and monitoring and having accountability throughout the process uh, before we just start writing checks. And I'm, and I think you're leading probably into Ukraine and I'm just as concerned with Ukraine as I am about Vietnam, you know, I, I hope Ukraine is not Vietnam, you know, 1956, you know. I wasn't actually leading into the Ukraine, but obviously it's top of mind today because we have I, I, I now question why we send money to any foreign country, including South Korea, which I understand the dichotomy between. I don't know if I understand, but I, I can kind of somewhat relate to what's going on with North Korea, South Korea. I happen to be on a trade mission with Governor Ricketts and the team in Japan the day that North Korea sent a missile over Japan. We were there. We were present. So that brought a whole new level of awareness to security. 
But at the end of the day, I think about all of the challenges we have and obstacles in the United States for people to pursue life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I'm wondering, why are we sending trillions of dollars to anybody else until we get those fixed? That's a great question. Um, I think strategically, you know, uh, the U.S. provides a lot of national and global leadership or can. I'm not I'm not for globalism. But, uh, you know, South Koreans are our allies. Taiwan's are, are our allies. And we just have to see how much money we're spending over there and whether we're getting what we are, what we want out of our money. You know, if you go to the store and buy something, you don't get what you want. You're not going to continue to buy from the store. So I think we've got to really lay out what our objective is with the money that we're spending in these countries and, and achieve that objective. And if we're not achieving the objectives we want with our money, then we don't need to be spending money over there. I think what a lot of times people do is, well, we've given them billions of dollars before. Let's give them the billion dollars without any accountability to what they're going to use the money for. And if it's not increasing U.S. national security, then we don't need to be spending the money. We should only spend money overseas when it when it secures the United States of America and is proven to do that with accountability. And that's a, I have 30 seconds in this segment. That's a great way to look at it. Do, do we consider, we don't consider it as just a handout to help a goodwill gesture. No. It, it has to somehow be an investment in the security of the United States. Yes. Absolutely. Or, or why, why give it to them? It's like welfare, you know? Well, I'm opposed to welfare at all levels, and we are now ramping up discussions about a U.S. farm bill. I'm ready to take it to zero. I want every industry to sustain themselves, wind, airlines, you name it. We do not need (laughs) any more government subsidies. John Glenn Weaver, my guest, he is multitasking. He's taking care of a, a child, two of them, I think, while joining us on the air. If he just doesn't get out of the vehicle, we'll be fine. We'll be back with more <laughs> Roll Out on a Red Shirt Friday after this. Right off the bat today, we're going to talk about energy and in particular coal producing electricity. The folks at Lignite Energy, Lignite Energy Council have done a tremendous job putting together a portfolio of videos that express how people behind the scenes keep the lights on, keep the water running in your house and how the environment is improved thanks to coal and the electricity that we generate from that power. It's about harnessing the energy that Earth provides, and the men and women who are behind Lignite Energy want you to get more details about what it is they do, their passion, and how it all works to benefit you and your life. The details about life powered by coal can be found on the web, Lignite.com. Welcome back. Trent Lewis alongside John Glenn Weaver. Not really alongside. He's next to off at Air Force Base. I'm next to Elsewhere so Air Force Base. And the Chinese are next to an, what's the Air Force Base in Great Falls? Uh, Malmstrom. It's a Malmstrom. missile base. ICBM, Intercontinental Ballistic Missile Base. So I just learned today that on Wednesday, the Billings Airport was shut down for a couple of hours, not many flights. It's Billings. They don't have many flights a day, right? But there was a delay in airport activity because a balloon was spotted that the Pentagon says is a Chinese spy balloon. They decided not to uh, attack it for fear of collateral damage to the people in Billings. And I'm sitting here saying, John, 
The Chinese do not need to put a balloon over top of Billings to monitor what's happening in Montana. They, they got satellites around the world, all throughout the atmosphere. What, what's the real story here? Because I'm not buying what we're being told. Well, obviously, to get from China to Billings, you've got to travel across a lot of the United States. Um, and I don't know. We don't. I don't have any top secret classified briefings, and I don't have any classified in my garage. <sighs> <laughs> which I've had a top secret clearance. Wait a minute. Years. Has anybody looked? Are you sure? Uh, who knows? The FBI might show up, but they're welcome to come. Um, I, I interrupted you. You had top secret clearance for what? But 22 years and not once did I ever have an incident. So another reason we need to hold our elected officials accountable for losing that stuff, because it puts our men and women in the battlefield and overseas at risk uh, by releasing that information. But so that aside, um, the balloon got there somehow, right? So it didn't. It didn't just launch from Montana. I. I don't think it did. No. The, the the Department of Defense and the Pentagon said that they followed it from the Aleutian chain through British Columbia to Montana. Right. So the the Russians or Chinese launched it from a, a point in Russia or China, right? So it, it, it came over. Correct. And in Montana, and and so this this balloon, I guess, is probably a. Um, it's probably an intelligence gathering uh, balloon, you know, doing passive either photo signals, intelligence and something of that, that nature, which I did for 22 years of my career, worked in the Pentagon doing that. And so um, they're collecting intelligence and it really, really concerns me that it's over Montana that they're collecting intelligence because uh, everybody knows that we have missile fields nuclear missile fields in Montana. And so the Chinese collecting intelligence, whether that be photo signals, intelligence, uh, communications, intelligence over Montana is, is of grave concern uh, for me. And I think it should be for all citizens um, because who knows what they're collecting off of our, our nuclear assets. And so whether I would shoot it down, I probably wouldn't shoot it down. I'd collect it. Uh, and see what kind of technology they had on there and what the, how they're collecting and, you know, cause I wouldn't shoot it down cause then you kind of destroy the asset of what you can gain intelligence mm -hmm. back on them on. So, but this, I mean, I think we failed in our national security policy and I'm the national security candidate for the U S Senate, I believe and the ag candidate, because how, how do we get to this point? Somebody has failed six months, one year, two years, five years ago that allowed this to happen. I, I just, to me. That doesn't really speak though, John, to my premise that they don't need a balloon to gather intelligence. They could do that with a satellite image that nobody would even know. So why the balloon? Yeah, that's, that's true. But uh, there's ways and I, I can't, you know, I've, like I said, I've got top secret clearances, but there's ways you could collect things with a balloon that you can't with a satellite. Really? Uh, you're closer to the ground. Um, you know, I, I, you know, our space satellite, uh, top secret clearances that, that there's a lot of technology put into that. And to put a satellite into space is extremely expensive, right? To put a balloon up is not as expensive. So, um, it, it's, it's, it's to their advantage to use a balloon over satellites. I think, um, it's, you know, it's like looking at a cow from five miles away versus 50 feet. You know, can you tell if she's pregnant? 
five miles away? Probably not. But if you're 50 feet away, you've got a pretty good idea. So uh, suffice it to say that the, the level of intel is a little bit higher uh, if they're closer. All right. When you put it in the context of a cow, then now I completely understand. <laughs> See, you, you knew you knew how to educate me. That, that's the bottom line. <laughs> Are you familiar with the, the the brilliant series put together by my colleagues at Beck News on what's called the China Conquest, the Untold Stories, which really started because of a food company owned by the Chinese in Grand Forks, North Dakota, 17 miles from an Air Force base. Uh, th- that food company is called Fufang. I started doing some research, and it turns out the Chinese own a lot of resources within a close proximity to Air Force bases, including Del Rio, Texas, including Offutt Air Force Base, because the very Fufang, who we were talking about in Grand Forks, also has a processing facility in Blair, Nebraska, you know how close that is to off at Air Force Base. How legitimate is the concern that China is acquiring uh, property within a very close proximity to Air Force bases? And have you given any thought to why? Oh, yeah. Well, first of all, they want to, you know, these, these food programs are just shadow for Chinese intelligence collection locations, right? So they say they're running food. But really, it's it's a it's a Chinese outpost. You know, China China has a, a shadow police force in New York City. We know about that. Uh, these are just shadow Chinese collection bases next to military bases. I'm sure that they have human intelligence collectors running around the community. Not not necessarily Chinese, but China's paying whoever to collect intelligence. I suspect I have no hard knowledge of that. And so they're buying up these locations and they're also buying farmland to hold and over us and leverage over us in the future, five, 10, 50, hundred years from now. Uh, once they own all our farmland, they can stop farming and crush our agriculture economy. So uh, it's not good. And I think there was a legislation put forward, I think by the Senator from South Dakota to stop Chinese from buying land in the United States. And I'm a, I'm a hundred percent for that. I think all foreigners should not be allowed to buy land in the United States. I think you should be a U.S. citizen to vote and a U.S. citizen to buy uh, farmland in the United States. That's the way it is everywhere else. But but yes, these are Chinese collection posts in the United States. And they're just they're just collecting intelligence over the years. And if you collect intelligence for a long enough time over the years, you're able to build a pretty good picture of where the United States stands and where their weaknesses are. Uh, over the long term. So, you know, one day, one week might matter. But if they're there collecting intelligence for years, that holds our national security at risk. And I don't know how we've gotten this far either. I mean, uh, the House, the Senate Intelligence Committee has to have some knowledge of this. And I don't know why they didn't stop it. But yeah, I I would stop that immediately and stop Chinese from buying land. It's a national security threat. So while on the surface, I agree with that concept 100%, John. I, I question myself, how do you put a, a moratorium on foreign nationals, which, by the way, the state of Oklahoma had that statute, and yet people from China found a way to go around it and acquired what we know to be more than $100 million worth of property in Oklahoma, farm property, which was a violation of a statute. So two things. How do you put together a piece of legislation that actually does what you 
you say that it's going to do. But I'm also very cognizant of not wanting to restrict property rights of the U.S. landowners who will be penalized if we try to do something to prevent China from owning land. How do we handle that? <laughs> that's a, So so how do you get past somebody that's trying to break the law? Oh, geez. I mean, I mean, I guess you got to craft the legislation in a way so they can't and then have the penalties be so so strict for the folks that are that it that it stops them i mean i don't know if i really have an answer to that trent i'm sorry but uh no i I mean it's not a simple a and b equals c kind of a thing and i'll tell you what happened in oklahoma and then i'm gonna have to go to break and we talk about it in the next segment but they had a statute that said foreign individuals cannot own farmland in the state of oklahoma and so what they did was that they bought the farmland paid cash and within a week deemed this agricultural land into a commercial property because of what they put on it within the first week. And so they were no longer farmland. It was commercial property, which was not a violation of statute. So they found a way to get around it. John Glenn Weaver, my guest, first half of Rural Route on a Red Shirt Friday. We're both wearing red today. How about that? Because we wanted to make sure that everybody (laughs) who has served knows we appreciate it. We're back with the second half after this. In fact, John, that's just a great place to pick it up. How do we say thank you? We can wear a red shirt every Friday. That's a simple, subtle gesture. But also, I'm a huge fan of the Wall of Honor. The Wall of Honor does a fantastic job bringing to the forefront the individuals from the local community that have made a difference, not only the veterans of this nation, but also the first responders. TheWallOfHonor.org. That's a place you go. Every place I go here in Rapid City on my drive-in, I thought, man, if we just had a Wall of Honor monitor in this gas station, in this restaurant, it'd make all the difference in the world. Check it out today. Nominate your loved one. TheWallOfHonor.org. Welcome back. Trent Luce alongside retired U.S. Air Force Colonel John Glenn Weaver. He is still, did you get to your destination yet? Or are you still driving around bottle feeding, John? Uh, no, I'm, I'm still driving around bottle feeding. And uh, for the record, I'm a lieutenant colonel. But yeah, thank you. I don't know what that means. Tell, tell me what the difference between a colonel and a lieutenant colonel. I assume lieutenant colonel is like the lieutenant governor. Uh, in a sense, yeah. So uh, it's, it's, it's sort of the rank structure. You have a first lieutenant, captain, major lieutenant colonel and then colonel and then on up to brigadier general uh, major general lieutenant general and then general so it's it's one rank below colonel basically okay well i know how important that is and uh, i i just never had a, a up close and personal lesson so that's that's excellent uh i gotta shift gears a little bit from china because now everybody's talking about china we have a very corrupt uh, executive branch, legislative branch, and judicial branch. I had an attorney make a statement to me yesterday in a conference call. It was not public. It was just a conference call that we're, we're working on a medical freedom component. And an attorney, which I, I typically don't like attorneys, John. I think they're weasels. But this one's growing. I'm growing fond of this one. And we're working on a project together. And she said, you guys got to understand, we as attorneys are are practicing law in front of a judicial system and judges that have been captured. If every branch of our 
our government is captured. Number one, what do we do about that? And number two, you continue to sign up to try to be part of the solution and running for public office and your resilience is absolutely impressive. How does one person go about making a difference in this world that's been captured by corrupt money? That's a, (laughs) that's a great question. The reason I'm doing it just to capture it really quick is for the love of my country. You know, I served for 22 years, multiple combat tours and I didn't win or lose or win the war in Afghanistan or Iraq. But as a team, we did. And only one person can do uh, what they can. And so this is what I believe I've been put on earth to do is serve my country. And I think the way you hold other branches of government is to be part of the branch that can hold the other branches accountable. And, you know, you don't know in leadership, you do something and maybe other people follow. Right. So my hope is that I get involved and engage in this and get elected or others follow, you know, Folks get off the couch and say, you know, I got I got to do this something for my country. This has gotten so bad that I'm going to do this. Weaver's doing it. And, I'm, you know, I'm a type of leader that will bring others behind me and show them the way, which not a lot of people do in politics. So, I mean, all you can do is one person at a time during the day, you know, every day. Well, the moral of the story is that we've gotten to this point because we've become, I'm just going to say, fat, lazy and complacent. And set back and just let things happen without a concern. And I think we all knew that yeah, it was going to take yeah, some hard exactly. times to get people to fire up and get engaged. But that's where we're at. We got to get engaged. It's like fixing fence. You know, a fence is good when it's built, but you got to walk the fence, make sure a tree didn't fall on it. It's like tending. It's like tending to a herd of cows or or fence or anything else or property. You don't go out in a in a field and you're going to, it's going to grow up in trees. So it's got to be, our government has to be tended to much the same way a farm and a pasture and a herd of cows has to be worked. You know, are you driving around my place right now, looking at all the cedar trees that shouldn't be out there and the fences that need to be fixed. Is that what you're doing? This, this, (laughs) my goodness. Yeah. (laughs) Looks good though. Hey, Two foot of snow <laughs> on the barbed wire fence never looks good. That, that's cause for some maintenance right there. But you can't do it till the snow goes away. So yeah. give me a break, John. It just snowed two weeks ago. I'll get it fixed before time to turn cows out. <laughs> well, I got 400 acres myself. And every time I go back, um, some oak trees, I mean, trees don't grow very fast when you're looking at them. But when you step away for 20 years and come back, it's like, whoa, yeah. Hey, let's let's do that for a moment because it's easy for you and I to think about our current state of uh we'll call it politics. That state that you and I left continues to do the stupidest things one could ever imagine. And this one now a violation of the second amendment in the state we're talking about the state of Illinois. There's a new law that just went into effect was just signed and passed basically stating that you you, you can't own a gun. I mean, depending on how you interpret it. But 74 of the 103 county sheriffs have actually made a public statement in the state of Illinois saying, we are not going to enforce this law. It's a violation of the Second Amendment. How closely do you follow what's going on in Illinois, the state you grew up in and left? Well, <laughs> uh, not very much because it's so depressing. You know, Chicago runs the state of Illinois. The corruption in Chicago is above and beyond, you know, I, you, you being from there as well, or roots back there, you know, you know, the corruption, 
But the problem is, is Chicago runs the entire state of Illinois, and it's a very, very small portion of the state. I mean, they raise so many hogs and cattle, not like the level of Nebraska, but it's the Corn Belt. You know, you can raise a lot of great corn there. And I think all the murders in Chicago have just basically said, you know, told the pol- politicians have told everybody, we got to take everybody's gun. Where, where I'm from in McDonough County, you know, it's not, it's not an issue. But Chicago's leading the state. The state's corrupt. Uh, Democrats rule the place. I mean, Adam Kinsinger, he's pretty much a rhino that left the party. So we've got a leadership problem there. I mean, you know, to be honest with you, we need good good leaders in Illinois probably more than we do in Nebraska. No doubt about it. Uh, I do want to, I do want to clarify one thing just to save my communication level with the Illinois pork producers. <laughs> Illinois is, uh, higher in terms of pork production than Nebraska, but Nebraska is number one of beef cattle production. And an interesting little fact, John, I have not watched a football game for over five years, NFL game. I, I refuse to watch these overpaid whiny crybabies yeah. play a game. With that said, my lovely bride tells me that the Illinois pork producers have ponied up and will have an ad on the Super Bowl coming up. That's pretty impressive, actually. That's great. You know, I raised hogs in uh, McDonough County growing up. Uh, it's a huge pork. Well, the reason you got so much pork there is because of the, the corn. You know, Absolutely. You gotta, half, half the corn is fed to, to hogs, and it's it's very, you know, it's a good place to raise hogs. Um, hopefully not offending Governor Pillen. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> I don't think you're going to offend Governor Pillen. <laughs> he might move to Illinois. Actually, we need him in Illinois as the governor, not in Nebraska. Well, he's doing a good job here. We need him in Illinois as the governor. Yeah. I'm not ready to give him a free pass. I'm going to make <laughs> sure he does a good job before I say he's doing a good job, John. I'm just going to go public say that. He's he's the only governor, I guarantee he's the only governor in the nation that has his name running up and down the highways hauling bacon. That's what I'm sure of. <laughs> hauling hogs or bacon? Well, hauling hogs that turns into bacon, right? Yeah. Uh, something went really haywire there with your signal or, or something. I'm not getting you as strongly as I was before. Maybe it's just the timing of where you're at, John. Okay. No, there you How's go. This? Okay. Something shift. Something changed. Your Bluetooth or something changed. But uh, I'm going to bring this back. Obviously, we're going to for the rest of the segment. We're going to talk about politics. We have nothing is more important. Look at the course of history in mankind. Nothing is more important than food. Food production is made yeah. here with energy. We mm-hmm. do not have. Two hands full of elected officials in Washington, D.C. that understand what I just said because they're so disconnected from where food comes from. Yeah. I like I like your your knowledge and your drive, not only because of your time, your lifetime spent protecting our nation through the United States military, but also an understanding of what's really important in terms of national security, and that's energy and food. Absolutely. Agriculture is national security, not only China buying land, but if we're unable to feed our people and export our crops the way we're doing and we could do better, 
I mean, we put ourselves at risk. If nations fall, if they can't feed their own populations and um, people take agriculture for granted, you know, we agriculture's kept up with the times and the politicians have not. Boy, that's a, that's a mouthful right there. Agriculture has kept up with the times politicians have not we have to get back get them rooted again well and that's because we don't have enough farmers in uh in elected in elected capacity i mean look governor pillen is the first farmer in nebraska governor in 100 years i mean nothing against anybody else that's been governor but that's that's not right you know i don't know i don't know how to change it but silly well that's what you're doing Right. You're trying to be that one person that that starts the change. I mean, I can't throw bales of hay like I used to, but, you know, at least go back to my roots. Have you tried? Maybe we need to give this a try. (laughs) We need to find out. Come on out this summer. We'll find out. We'll find out. And then then I'll be down on my back. I'll be running around in a wheelchair. But, yeah, it's. uh... (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I mean, and our founding fathers were were agrarians, agrarian farmers. Most of them were, and so we've gotten you know. Let's bag on lawyers here a little bit. We've um, got too many lawyers and politicians in in political uh, leadership in our House and Senate. Yeah, there's no argument from me on that one. John Glenn Weaver, my guest, he is out uh, en route to deliver one of his children to a school and bottle feeding another one at the same time. See, women, men can multitask. And I can talk to him and run the buttons. So I'm doing the same thing. We'll be back with the final segment of Roll Route right up this. Now let's take a moment and talk about the certified Piedmontese system. Uh, Yeah, Dave Lott just called me and said, Trent, don't be telling the bison breeders that Piedmontese is better to eat. I would do no such thing. It's all about choice. And as a Great Plains cattleman, you have the choice to be a part of a system that rewards producers for what it is that we produce. And I got somebody just asked me, what exactly does this tenderness mean? And is it just a gimmick? No, it's not. It's not, and the myostatin gene is the one that's responsible for making sure that this beef is more tender. It's because the myostatin gene typically regulates muscle growth, and it limits the muscle growth is what it does. In the Piedmontese cattle, they have two copies of this myostatin gene. It's inactive, which means that there's no regulation of muscle growth. And when you have that accelerated muscle growth, it's a very small, tender fiber. Consequently, the consumer notices the difference and when you eat particularly two copy piedmontese beef you just can't get enough you as a producer need to get more of the fair share of the consumer's food dollar that's what the system that's been established does get details about the certified piedmontese program at lonecreekcattleco.com and the beef itself at certifiedpiedmontese.com Welcome back. We're all route into the final segment. I am in Rapid City with the Bison folks and going to spend this weekend learning everything I can about Tatonka, which if you can see me, there's a great, beautiful picture behind me. John Glenn Weaver is driving around. Well, I assume you're in uh, Sarpy County at the moment or are you in Douglas? I am. Uh, I'm in Sarpy County driving through Bellevue. You're going to see a lot of me this summer, whether you like it or not. I have, our youngest is playing softball on a team out of Bellevue this summer. 
Good. Let me know when you're in the area. I'd absolutely like to to meet you more in person. If you got a, a calendar, just put Trent coming to town every week, every weekend. Because <laughs> we, <laughs> we play in Bellevue. I looked at the schedule. It's like Bellevue, 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 Kansas City, Bellevue, Bellevue. Anyway, more about that later. Did you know yesterday they're deeming it Chris Kyle Day? No, that's great, though. Yeah, I, obviously that came out of Texas. But um, we need to celebrate those individuals, Every not just the Chris Kyles, but the John Glenn Weavers. We need to find a way to celebrate the men and women, not only at the military level, but the first responder level and everything that have made this life better. And we take for granted that that defense that you're talking about and the defense of our country. And there are plenty of people within the Department of Defense today and the Pentagon that are beating up on the men and women who've signed up to say, I want to take an oath to this Constitution. I want to be a part of the solution of fixing that first, John. You know, how do we do that? Well, it's I mean, the first all the, the vaccination mandates did not hurt things. You know, we're unable to meet our recruiting goals in the military branches. And part of that is I just retired a year ago in two days and uh, people were kicked out, got out because we had vaccination mandates. And that that's probably the biggest thing that's going to help us. The next biggest thing is leadership. You know, if, if you have national leaders that don't, you know, conduct themselves in a way and lose classified information and the airmen's held to the standard, but the president is not, it, 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 they ask themselves, well, what can I be doing that's more useful for my time? It's not, I don't, they don't hate America. It's just, what can they be doing with their time that's more useful to the country? And a lot of times they're saying the military is not it because the leaders are not there that they feel worthy of serving. I think that's probably the biggest thing. And it's really hard. It's easy for me to sit here and say, but they're serving the 330 million Americans, not this inept commander in chief but that's easy for me to say it's a tougher deal when every day you're faced with some destruction of the morale and the camaraderie that makes the american military the best in the world well yeah because we they've gotten away from their principles of war fighting and gotten towards you know woke training of diversity and inclusion shots a religious sensitivity training black lives matter training and they just came in to fly airplanes win wars and fight and if they're in a social cultural experiment they're going to leave or most some some are so uh for about 12 years john i spent a lot of time on military bases with the all-american beef battalion the vision of vietnam veteran the late bill brody and we fed nearly five hundred thousand troops and it's still happening today in fact that's why i went to eagle pass we fed the texas national guard in november and that for the record was eight days before i got kicked off of facebook permanently but um i was on those bases and through the obama years which you would have been serving you would have been an officer during the obama years there were a lot of people that i would talk to that just had a disgruntled opinion of what was happening but they were still respectful. They were respectful of the commander in chief. It's really hard to maintain respect for the lack of respect that comes from the commander in chief in the Oval Office today. So I can feel for those individuals that have taken that that oath and yet struggle with that internally. 
Yeah, I mean, you can have one commander, bad commander in chief, but it, it degrades the culture of the organization. If at the national level, our leaders are not res- well respected and conduct themselves in a manner, you know, it's a degradation of, of that over time, I think is what we're seeing now. And 20 years at war, let's, I mean, so I got out of the Air Force uh, largely because of the pullout of Afghanistan, and that's what motivated me to run for office. And I think I spoke a lot about that on how I think that pullout was, you know, criminal. And I got into politics because I think maybe I could be the one person, the, the, the voice and reason in the room to say this is not the way to do it. And I think when the American public sees the pullout of Afghanistan the way President Biden did it, they lose faith, trust and confidence in the system and they don't want to sign up to join the military if you pull out of Afghanistan and have people hanging off a C-17. So it's little things like that along the way that degrades uh, the reputation of the military. And and I think Afghanistan was a did a huge disservice to military recruiting because people watch that stuff. Parents watch that stuff. And when parents see that, they don't want their kids going in and, you know, serving for that. I mean, in a 20 year war, it's long, long wars like that. They, they just don't want to do it. John, this most important question I've asked you in my mind, uh, you spent your life, your career in the military defending our freedom. We've spent a lot of time in the last 45 minutes talking about the challenges and the corruption and the problems you are at this moment being Mr. Mom, which is, I applaud you to no end for that. What are the optimisms that drive you every day to continue to create a better path for those youngsters that we hear in your presence right now? Because if you didn't have some light at the end of the tunnel, you'd just say, can't do anything about it. So where are the optimistic points that you can keep driving for to make sure that those kids have a better opportunity? That's a great question. And and a lot of it comes from the uh, the great leaders that we've had in the past in the United States, it, the leaders I've served with in the military. I believe the leadership to solve and the problems in this country is out there or out there. I just think they need to be awakened. Uh, what I've seen recently uh, with citizens getting involved and in united in Nebraska here has been very energizing. And I've been driving around the state, driving out to Scotts Bluff County. I was in Dakota County. Uh, the energy of the people and their support of me uh, gives me the energy and cause to, to keep pressing forward. So, you know, a lot of times in the news media, everything's doom and gloom. But go talk to the people, folks like yourself doing this. Uh, there's hope for America and the energy is there. You got a lot of great people working hard all across the state from ag to business to military. And those people are doing what America needs to be done to make America great. And so those, it's the everyday working citizen in the state of Nebraska that drive me to do this. And, and the crooked politicians and the bureaucrats are sort of white noise in the background. I'm staying focused on serving the people. So that's very ironic or not at all, because when people ask me about my short little tenure campaigning, which I was campaigning with Teresa Thibodeau to be the next governor of the state of Nebraska. And I, t- I tell them that my my time spent traveling the state of Nebraska and nearly every county. I found out that politics is 1000 times more disgusting than I thought it was. And I thought it was pretty bad. 
but the people that I met along the way outweighed all of the negativity. And it was that energy from every county, Box Butte, uh, Scott's mm-hmm. Bluff, Falls River, or, or Richardson County, Sarpy County, du- even Sarpy and Douglas County. I found good people. Can you believe that, John? Mm-hmm. But it is, um, <laughs> it, it is the people. That's absolutely the answer, same answer I give. It is about the people, the unheard people that never, nobody listens to. That's what it's about. Well, yeah, no, nobody listens to them, and their voice is not that loud because they're they're taking their kids to school, they're defending the nation, they're plowing their crops. They they don't have time for the nuances. And uh, I'm blessed enough to have a successful career and be able to devote full time to this. And uh, I, I want to bring the voices of those people to Washington D.C. and serve them the same way I served in the military. Devote full time to this while bottle feeding the baby. Well, yeah, it's uh, my my wife says I need a full time job before I can put him in daycare, so that's why I'm running for office so I can get a full time job. No, just kidding. <laughs> okay, it only took me forty two minutes thirty five seconds to figure out the true motivation for John Glenn Weaver to be in public office, but we got there to get out of the house. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many places I could go with that. But um, in closing, what do you want us to most know today? No, just to know that I'm the agriculture candidate. Uh, I'm the national defense candidate. We've got balloons flying over Montana. That could have been Nebraska. We have ICBMs in Nebraska. Everybody knows about in western Nebraska. And we need to keep this country safe. And I will keep people safe. I will increase farmers' income. I will increase the number of farmers. We need more farmers out on the out on the third district there uh the third district is not forgotten in my mind there's a lot of growth and economic economic opportunity and so that's where my focus is farmers ag and national security and the people of nebraska and i'm at uh, weaverforsenate.com i do have to ask you this question because you brought it up before i let you go you're going to increase the number of farmers how do you do that uh well big subsidies to big farm big farms that don't live in Nebraska is probably one of them. I mean, we got a lot of corporate well, farmer wait corporate you farms. Mean, you mean cut those big subsidies? You made it it almost sounded like you're promoting more big subsidies. What did I say? I meant cut big subsidies to Yeah, big you left farm. the word cut out of there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I thought that was <laughs> Well, yeah, I thought that was yeah, cut big subsidies to corporate farmers that allows them to live out of state and hire people at minimum wage to drive a tractor when we need Nebraskans running those farms, creating those businesses. John Glenn Weaver has served our country. He continues to stand up and want to serve the people. But most importantly, the job that he has at hand today is being a role model for those youngsters that we have had along the way with us in this journey. Thanks, John. I look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you. On a Red Shirt Friday, Trent Luce for John Glenn Weaver, both of us reminding you that all roads do lead to a roll route. And wrapping this up today, I want to say thank you to Robert, Ashley, the entire crew at High Plains Cattle Supply. You know, you can find products just about anywhere. You can get them on the Internet. But to get products that has the service level of what you get at High Plains Cattle Supply, that's why you continue to go there. Brush, Colorado. 
And uh, speaking of service, providing you services day in and day out, it's Protect the Harvest. Get more details about how you empower yourself. All of the challenges that we have in front of us, too many times we don't even know what challenge is in front of us. And then what do we do once we identify the challenge? That's exactly where Protect the Harvest fills the gap in empowering you to make sure we maintain a free and fed America. ProtectTheHarvest.com. Have a great weekend. See you Monday.